0: God, thank you so much, Lord, for today. Thank you so much for your people you have in this room. Thank you so much for those who you've drawn here tonight. Um, God, it is no mistake that everyone who is here was supposed to be here. Um, It's no mistake. Um, It's no mistake, Lord. God, we... We're just grateful for you. We're grateful for your word. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts uh, love and affection and desire for you, ultimately, God, for that you would use these words um, as words from you and that they would not be mine. God, but that you would ultimately be glorified. We would leave here uh, loving you more, desiring you more, wanting to be present with you more. Um, yeah, Lord, God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. All right, y'all, good evening, everyone. How's everybody doing? Okay, that was, that was kinda of soft, but it's, it's all right, it's all right. Super glad you guys are here, okay? So welcome to College Gathering, you guys. My name is Cody Carroll, uh, and I'm really, really, really excited to be here, okay? So um, we am excited to share with you from the Word of God and to continue our series into the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? So a little bit about me, I know I'm kind of a new face, Around here. I'm married to my wife Cassidy. We have two children. There's a picture, don't worry, guys. I know y'all are gonna ask. So that's me, that's my wife. That's Gray. Gray, that's our son. He's a year and a half, a little bit more than that. And that's Lydia. She is five months old and she is adorable. Okay. I bring almost nothing to that Punnett Square except for like white and like I have a round head. So it's all my wife. She's beautiful, and hopefully kids just keep looking like her. So That's a little bit about me. I'm a graduate of Texas Tech University, and I'm ultimately a product of Redeemer College ministry. I've been in some way, shape, or form been a part of Redeemer College since 2014, okay? So I love Redeemer College. I came to faith in high school, but God changed my life here, okay? My love for Jesus, my love for his word, his people, his plans, his work, and his glory was ultimately birthed in my heart in the seats that you guys are sitting in right now. So I love this ministry, I love to be here. So when I say that I'm excited to be here, I mean it, you guys, I am excited to be here. So with that being said, we're gonna jump in. So last week, Ryan talked about the teacher or the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes' pursuit of all the things that the world tells us is valuable, okay? Things like getting a baller career, getting bags, having sex, doing all the different things. Like he says, okay, hey, like, like you name it, author of Ecclesiastes had it in some form or fashion. He had it in abundance even, but at the end of the day, the author still said that he felt like he was left empty-handed. He had nothing to show from running after all of these things that the world said he should. Ryan went on then to explain that the writer of the book was left with only a single conclusion after giving everything a shot. He said these are good gifts, but that's all they are. They're gifts. They're not meant to hold the full weight of your hope and joy, and if you run after all of these things, to be your everything, you will be left empty-handed time and time and time and time again. So that leads us to chapter three in Ecclesiastes. So the author zooms out from focusing on the specifics of life to taking a look at all of life in light of God's given purpose, okay? In other words, what is man's ultimate purpose and task here on earth? That's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Like, why are we... Here. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, that's a really, really, like, steep question to try to answer, like, night one coming out teaching at college gatherings. Like, why are we here? What's the purpose of man? Okay? Yeah, it is. But I think that the book of Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about this. Okay, so with that, we're gonna open up our Bibles or look on the screen. We're gonna read Ecclesiastes, verses, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 15. You guys can follow along. For everything, there is a season. A Time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time for love, a time for hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Verse nine, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I have perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. Verse 14, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so the people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Okay, so this is beautiful stuff here, y'all. It's Ecclesiastes 3. So how I want to frame our time tonight is by looking at some observations, some general, just kind of, okay, what's this saying? Observations that we can make from reading our text, and then what I wanna do is talk about some things that I believe God might be inviting us into based on the text, okay? So pretty straightforward. We're gonna have both of these kind of things to follow along with up on the screen. So observation number one from Ecclesiastes three. God orders life to move in seasons and each season is beautiful. Okay, so verses one through eight is this little poem where basically he's saying, hey, I've tried everything and, and, and like what I've learned in life is that there's a season for everything. That's what this is saying a season for everything, both good and bad, both easy and hard. It says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. We begin to see this ebb and flow of life begin to emerge, this good and this bad, this hard and this easy begin to kind of come out of these verses. And according to verse 11, God has made every season beautiful in its own sense, both the good seasons as well as the hard seasons. He's made them beautiful. Okay, so disclaimer, really quick. When God says that each season is beautiful in its own sense, I do not think that he is saying that each season is beautiful in the way that I like we perceive it at face value, okay? Many of you have experienced really 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 hard things. Death and pain and abuse and heartbreak, the list goes on and on and on, and God does not think that these things are beautiful nor is he pleased that they have happened to you or the people that you love. So when you hear in this text that God has made each season beautiful, we need to drop our like western e goggles off of what this is saying, of what our own perception of beauty is. When we think beauty, we equate it to good and pain-free, at least that's me, good and pain-free. But I think beauty in this sense is that in each season, God is doing something in us that is for our ultimate good, beauty in this sense is that in each season, good, bad, hard, easy, that God is doing something in us for our ultimate good. And for the believer, this is ultimately for us to look more like Jesus. And for the person who has yet to come to faith in Jesus, these seasons, both good and bad, are meant to lead us to him, okay? So again, let me reiterate, just so there's no confusion, God is not pleased with sin, either the sin that you have committed or the sin that has been done to you. But But according to this text, for whatever reason, God may allow hard things to happen to us for our ultimate good in Jesus, regardless of whenever we kind of understand that this could potentially be good, whether that's in this life or the next, okay? So back to Ecclesiastes, okay? So what this poem, verses 1 through 8, is saying is that life is not always linear, okay? It doesn't make perfect sense, Life is endlessly complex for the good and for the bad, okay? And God is behind it all. At every point, he is weaving beauty and purpose throughout it. Beauty and purpose throughout your life and throughout mine and throughout everyone's lives, okay? Despite how it might feel in the present moment, okay? So personally, let let me explain to you guys what that means for me when I read this text. So personally, I feel like I'm coming out of a really hard season, a really hard and growing season. So as I mentioned earlier, I have two small babies that are, the best. Love them to death. They're incredible. But what that means is that most of my life is marked by sleeplessness. I slept four hours in a rocking chair last night. My neck feels like there's like a giant rod just sticking through it. It Like barely moved my head. Baby poop. I wore a sweater the other day and had poop on it like all day. Thought it was like something from lunch. Didn't even know. Got home. was like, that's actually been there like for sure since before I left the house. Okay. So like, yeah, bad news. It's filled with busy schedules, tight bank accounts, y'all, small margins, low energy, and ultimately a weak and fleeting desire to seek God. And this season, this really, really hard season, has exposed so much in me, so much sin, so much control, so much idolatry. But is God is God pleased with me because of these like kind of sin that's like sprouted up because of this hard season? No, I don't think so. But is he using it for my ultimate good? I think so. I think so. And I'm definitely still in this hard season, like, for real. Like, last night I slept in a rocking chair. But I think that at this point in the season, God, is, God, in his grace, is allowing me to see, like, okay, why, why has this been so hard? What, like, what is God trying to do in my own heart and in my own life? And I think that he's slowly but surely showing me that there's purpose in all of this, okay? Inversely, there's been really good seasons in my life, like, really, really incredible seasons where it feels like, honestly, at every turn, every domino was kind of falling in my favor, And I know that this is not everyone's story, but college for me was a really, really, really sweet time in life, specifically junior and senior year, okay? I had incredible friendships, I had a lot of fun, I met my wife, and not to mention like my growth in my relationship with Jesus was just like, I mean, it it was incredible. I I, seriously, most days of the week was at Yellow House, rest in peace, rest in peace. I was at Yellow House at like 6 a.m. with like Johnny Coronado some of those times, I feel like he was there too. Either he was there physically or in the spirit. But he was there. Like reading my Bible, just spending time praying, like reading and praying, reading and praying. And like this season was really, really good, okay? But even if, you're, if your experiences differ from mine, I think that you can look at your life and see, okay, there's been good seasons, there's been hard seasons, there's been good seasons. There's been hard seasons. Like, like, what are these for you? Where are you at right now? Like, maybe for you, college has been miserable. You're like, I don't even know how I'm paying for college. I'm not even in school. Everybody thinks I am. I'm not, you know, I'm just hanging out. And you're, like, afraid for that to be revealed. Or maybe it's awesome. Maybe you have a really hard home life, like me, like back home, like my actual parents. Or maybe you have awesome family that's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. You know, I love you so much, blah, 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 here. You know, I'm so proud of you. All these different things. Like, like we can see that all of us land at different places at different seasons in our life. And this is how life is. Life is an ebb and flow between different seasons. It's not a linear line that takes you from birth to death. Life is far more beautiful than that. And if you think it is, then I would urge you to consider that life has beauty, that it's not just about living and then dying and doing all the cool things in between. So that's observation number one. God orders life to move in seasons, and each season is beautiful. Moving on to observation number two. God has put eternity in the hearts of man. So Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, okay? So this idea of eternity being put into man's heart is a relatively straightforward idea. Like, it's not incredibly complex. Uh, What it is is that God has put something, okay, He's put something in the DNA of every human being that makes us aware, at least on some level, that there is something more to this life than what we can see. I'll say that again. God has put something into the DNA of every human that makes us aware that life is about more than we can see, okay? So let me explain to you what this looked like for me, how I learned this very valuable lesson. So a little bit about me, again, I know you're, and I'm kinda new up here. Uh, I did not grow up in church at all. Like, least, I, like, if you're like, I'm the least church kid in the room. I'm like, no, you weren't. Like, I for sure am. Like, literally knew no Bible stories. Knew, like, I think I went to, like, a Sunday service, like, one time before the age of 16. Like, literally knew nothing about God. I thought God was some distant old dude in the sky that, like, didn't really care about me. And so, like, I, like, didn't really care about him. And that, that was how I lived, like, like, that's how I lived my life for the first 16 years. I had zero church background, but thankfully I was a relatively good kid. Not because I feared God or wanted to obey him, but because I hated getting in trouble. Anybody with me? I hate getting in trouble. Okay. Okay. Where are my good kids at? Just kidding. Uh, all you, oh, you're bad. Just kidding. Um, so like I hated getting in trouble. Um, and for the most part, I stayed away from doing really stupid things until like eighth or ninth grade. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. Nobody. All right. That's dope. Crazy. Okay, so I had some friends, so a little bit about me, I had some friends, some best friends who had some older brothers that were into drugs, into alcohol, into doing any and everything under the sun. So naturally, my best friends began to do the things that they did, what their older brothers did. And so naturally, because I was their best friend and didn't want to be a loser, I started doing those very same things. I was acting out, smoking, drinking, I mean, just wilding. We're talking about like eighth grade, like eighth, ninth grade. And ultimately, this led me to a trip to Colorado with these friends, chaperoned by my dad, which is like crazy uh, to think back on that. And as soon as we unpacked, like, like we get out, we're in Breckenridge, it's beautiful. They're like, hey, let's go find some weed. And we're 14, like, like we're 14 or 15. I'm like, well, I, I do not wanna be a freaking loser. you know." And so I'm like, okay, I guess we're gonna go. Like, like I'm, I'm like, I'm not the dad of the trip. My dad has obviously no idea what's going on but they're like, hey, let's go buy some drugs. Okay, so we did what any 14 or 15-year-old would do when looking for things like that. In Colorado, we went to all the bummy ski shops, looked for the bummiest-looking dude, and asked them, hey, you got any weed? And we did, we found some. (laughs) It, it, It honestly wasn't too hard. Long story short, we ended up getting some, and we took it back to our place, and it, like our condo, our little Colorado condo turned into like, Weenie Hut Jr. Project X, like, instantly, okay? (laughs) So I say all of this to say, we can laugh, it's okay, God save me, obviously, praise God. (laughs) I say all of this, though, to say that I had what I thought, like, I I had everything that I thought I wanted in life. I had everything. Again, eighth, ninth grade, you know, very small worldview, but at that time, I had everything that I thought I wanted, every single thing. Back home, I was in an unhealthy relationship with my girlfriend, I was doing drugs with my friends, like I thought I was living my absolute best life or I thought I should have been feeling that way. Yet, I was sitting in Colorado on that balcony of our little condo looking out over the mountains and I was absolutely miserable. I was absolutely miserable. I was absolutely dead inside. I was trying to fill this longing in my heart with pleasures but came up empty-handed time and time and time and time and time again. Before I had ever read Ecclesiastes 3, my heart was asking the question, is this it? Is this it? Is this all of life? Surely, it's got to be more than this. Surely, it's got to be about more than this. Why? Why was I thinking that? Well, according to this text, because God had put eternity into my heart. I'm sure some of you guys have a similar experience. Maybe you're here yourself. You're like, I'm trying all the different things. Like I'm doing every single thing that my friends or the world or whoever is telling me, hey man, this is it. Like this is it. You know, the thing that I said was it last week. Well, that's not really it, but this week it's different. Like this is, and you're doing all those things, okay? Like maybe that's you right now. And I wanna ask you the question, like, is it it? Is it it? Is it everything that you think it's gonna be? Observation number three. God's plans are perfect, and they endure forever. God's plans are perfect, and they endure forever. So Ecclesiastes 3.14 says, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so the people fear before him, okay? So what this verse is saying is that everything God does is perfect. It doesn't seem like it sometimes from our perspective, but looking back and when we get to heaven one day and we, and we ask God all the hard questions, like everything's gonna make sense. But God's, God's plans are perfect. What he does is perfect. And because of that, it endures forever. We see that his plans are perfect because the text says that nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. His purposes are totally complete, finalized, and perfect. Because of that, they endure forever, okay? So it's important though, remember, the context of the book of Ecclesiastes is the author looking at all of life, all of the vanities, all the things that like the world says, hey, this is it, and he's going, not it, not it, not it, not gonna last, not gonna cut it, not what your heart wants, not gonna fulfill you, it won't endure, it won't endure, and it won't endure. So when the the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes looks at God in this verse and says, these, these plans, they will endure forever, we, our, our ears should perk up because everything else up to that point is no, 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 and the author says yes to the plans of God, these will endure forever. These things should catch our attention, okay? So, moving into application, what do we do with this though? Like, well, this is all great, you know, awesome stories and all that great stuff, what do we do with this? What is our application as New Testament Christians from these observations? I think that's a great question. Thanks for asking. So I think God is presenting three different invitations to us based on three our three observations, okay? So instead of going in the order that we discussed, we're just gonna go backwards, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna start with what we just talked about. So invitation number one, these are also gonna be up on the screen. Yes. God invites us to partake in his plans and his purposes, the ones that last forever. So... Two different camps can be addressed here, okay? Those who know where they stand with Jesus and those who maybe do not. So to the believer, what does it mean for followers of Jesus in 2022 to step into God's plans and purposes, okay? God's plan and primary purpose for us as followers of Jesus in 2022 is reconciliation. God's plans and purposes for us in 2022 is reconciliation. Okay, so what do we mean by reconciliation? Got a definition here, biblestudytools.com, holla, great help, defines reconciliation as this. Reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man or man and man. It assumes that there has been a breakdown in the relationship and that there has been a change from a state of enmity and fragmentation to one of harmony and fellowship. I think this verse really gets this from 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, which says this about reconciliation. This is the text on reconciliation. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we, followers of Jesus, are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to others through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we, broken sinners, might become the righteousness of God. So the call to followers of Jesus here is simple. Because of how God has reconciled us, we are then to, because of what we've received, help be a part of God reconciling others. What what does this mean? This means sharing your faith. This, This means being an agent of change for the gospel. What this means is that we would step into the game and step into what God is calling us to, to be a part of helping God reconcile others to himself who don't know him yet. Okay, so that's Believer's maybe people who do not know where they stand with Jesus. The call to you is as equally simple. Be reconciled to God. God is pleading with you through his word, be reconciled to me, be reconciled to me. Verse 21 says that God made Jesus to be our sin. Jesus was sinless. This is not like, okay, yeah, check, got it. No, like Jesus did not deserve our sin, but God, not us, God the Father made Jesus to be our sin, even though he was sinless, so that we, broken sinners, might become or receive his righteousness from God. That is the reason why followers of Jesus can be confident that they will spend eternity with God because Christ has paid for our sins. And Christ is offering that to you if you have yet to believe. Christ has paid for that which separates us from God, this is a big deal. This is why it's called the good news. God sent Jesus to reconcile any and everyone who call on his name for salvation. Is this you? Have you made this kind of decision? And if not, what's stopping you? Regardless of who you are, what your backstory is, how much you've sinned, I promise you, I'm right up there with you. How astray you've walked, God wants. Doesn't just like feel like he has to. God wants to reconcile and redeem and to use you for his purposes and his glory and ultimately for your joy, okay? So invitation number two, rolling right along. Invitation number two, God invites us to trust him with the longings of our hearts, okay? Because God has made us in his image and has woven eternity into our DNA, God knows that we are a yearning people we want things, we have longings, we have desires, both good and bad. Because of sin, this God-giving longing for eternity oftentimes gets misplaced. I love C.S. Lewis. Uh, he has a quote that like, I think perfectly describes this. He says that if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I love it. You probably heard that quote. If you're anything like me, You are convinced, y'all, time and time and time again that anything but God can satisfy you. And yet, you are left empty-handed time and time again just wanting more, just more, more, more. Nothing is ever good enough. This is what the author of Ecclesiastes is saying. He's trying to get us to believe. So the call here is simple. Trust Jesus with what your heart most wants. To the believer, have you forgotten the goodness of God and Jesus? Like, for those of you who said, I love God, he saved me, I know for a fact that I'm one of his kids. And then you hear scripture or you sing songs and you're like, eh. You know, like, like God hasn't changed. The the same God who saved you loves you and, like, it's still the same. Like, like we're the ones who drift out. You know what I'm saying? Makes sense? Like, we're the ones who go astray. And, And if we see the things of God and hear the gospel, and talk about Jesus, and we're not moved, like, like we, we have moved, okay? We have moved. To the person who might not know where they're at with Jesus, has anything you found in this world really done it for you? Like more than for like two hours. I feel like we're beating this horse, but I think that the book of Ecclesiastes is beating this horse as well. There's nothing that's gonna do it for you. Have you had a moment like me in Colorado where you're sitting there, and you're supposed to have everything, and your friends are having a great time, and you're just like sad, Like crying in the club, you know what I mean. Like like, like you're at a party, you know what I mean. You're at a party and you're like sad, you know. You're like man, like you're you like Marvin's room just running rampant in your head, and you're just like, God, this is this it, you know. Maybe maybe that's a little bit too old for y'all. I'm a little older than y'all. Don't know Marvin's room, anybody? Okay, good. Thank God, y'all. Oof, I was gonna have to leave. Um, So what if though? What if that the thing that you most desire can be found in Jesus? What if that thing that you most desire, most crave, that intimacy that you want, can be found in Jesus? Matthew 20, or sorry, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, says this. This is Christ's words. And this is for you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, that's all of us, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, that's Jesus is saying this. He's saying he is gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Y'all, I promise you, Jesus is what you're looking for. Jesus is what I'm looking for. Jesus is what Brandon's looking for. And Sam, Jesus is what we're looking for. All right, moving on. Invitation number three. God is inviting us to be fully present in the current season that he has us in. This might be the most obvious takeaway from the text tonight. So what this means is that just as the text says that there is a season for everything, I, we, you, all of us are currently in a season. Right now, we are in a season. And the question is, is are you aware of it? Do you have any idea what's going on in your life? Do you have, any, have you ever stopped and just thought, okay, hey, how are things going? Like how, how are things going in my life? For the believer, have you taken time to, to evaluate like what God might be doing in your life? Like, have you slowed down enough to really think, okay, God, what are you doing? What's going on? For the person who might not know Jesus, have you just considered like, hey, how are things going? How's life? Have you slowed down to really evaluate where you are at? Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13 says this. I perceive that there is nothing better for them, that's people, and to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. This is right after he talked about the seasons. He perceives there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. So y'all, whenever I mention at the beginning of our time that this season that I'm coming out of was tough, like I mean it's tough, like my neck hurts. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, like it, it hurts right now, Okay. And I'm gonna go home and probably gonna do it all over again, okay? Sleeping in a rocking chair, it's great. It's kind of comfy. It's more cute than comfy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like, we didn't get this for practical sake. It's like, this is cute. So my wife picked it, it's great. Like this season, like when when, when this text talks about toil, like my life feels like it's been toil. It's been good, but it feels like it's been toil. And I ran away from this for months, okay, y'all? I ran away from dealing with the fact that my life was really hard. I was not trying to be present, like this text is saying. I was trying to get as far away from my season as possible. Like, like personally, like, when we had our first baby, it was great. It was one of those things where, like, as, like, my wife was getting pregnant, and, like, the belly was growing, and I was like, okay, this is happening, this is crazy, this is crazy, and, like, it's almost like, okay, I'll be good. Like, I never stopped once to think, like, hey, are you ready for, like, everything about your life to change? I I didn't think about that once. I was like, I'll be good, you know, just so arrogant. Like, I'll be fine. Everything's gonna be great. And then... And even to kind of further that, like, idea of, like, I'll be fine is because I I grew up kind of in the most formative time of my Christian life, which is, again, in college. Like, I listened to, like, 150,000 Matt Chandler sermons, okay? Matt Chandler is the bomb, okay? But when he talks about this idea of, like, dying to self and, like, serving your wife and, like, laying your life down for your kids, if you've ever listened to him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, you, you, like, listen to this, and you're like, let's go. You're like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And... And so I'm like, so I, I kind of carry that into like me having a kid and becoming a father. Um, and, and so like I hear all these things, I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then it's 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m., over and over and over and over and over. And my wife can barely walk because she just had a baby and like nothing is about me. Like, nothing is about me. Nothing is about what I want. Nothing is about what I need. My life in that moment is to serve. Okay, it's not, it's not like, hey, Cody, how's it going? I'm like, man, I'm dying, you know? Like, I'm dying. <laughs> like, nothing is about me. And so, so this idea, like, I ran from that for a really, really, really long time. Like, like, I was emotionally, like, pulling away from my wife because it was so hard. You know, like, I was physically there because, of course, I'm gonna be physically there. But emotionally, I was just, like, talking to her, probably just drooling. You know, like, like, I'm like, I have nothing to give. I ran from the season that God had me in. I missed tons of good because I ran from that season. But thankfully, God began to, through community, through the word, through his grace, began to show me, pull me out of that season, because I'm kinda still in it, but God has begun to pull me out and show me, okay, what is this for? What is this for? And um, all of this kinda came to a head whenever it was my birthday last year, and my wife, who is the most godly woman I've ever met, she wrote me a letter, okay? And God really used this letter to show me, hey, like, like God God is using you. God is changing you, Cody. She wrote this letter where she said, hey, I know it's been a hard year. Uh, I know that you've struggled, but you, like God, like you've let these things take you to God, not away from God. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Very simple little sticky note inside of an envelope. But God, like I began to weep because it had been so hard. I'd ran from the season for so, 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 so long. And God used that little sticky note to remind me like, I love you. Like I'm here with you. Like, don't run from the season that I have you in. Like, be present. Push in, push in, push in. And it was absolutely a season of pruning, of growing, of pain, of dying to self, and then some, but God was really, really kind throughout that whole time. And I think if you are in a hard season and you would step back, I think that you could see and would be able to say that too. Would I do it all over again? Probably not. Would I take it back? No, absolutely not, you know? (laughs) This hard season of my life was beautiful because God in his grace just showed me more of himself. I I understood, though it was hard and though there was baby poop everywhere, that God was being really kind and that there was purpose and that there was meaning and that there was beauty in the midst of it, okay? So to conclude, to answer our question from the start of our time, I believe wholeheartedly that our purpose here on earth is to be reconciled to God and to be used by him for our joy and for his glory. That's what I believe all of our purpose is here is to be reconciled to God and to be used by him for our joy and for his glory and to be present where we are, to be present where we are. So my question for you is this, as we kind of wrap up, are you present? Are you present in the season that God has for you or are you running from it? God desires that you'd be reconciled to him, that you would be present in this, this season, not next season, but this season. So I think it would be ironic to end a sermon about, you know, being present without taking some time to be present and to reflect on the things that we've talked about. So um, some music's going to come on. Band might come up. I'm not sure. Um, but we're going to have some slides up. We're going to kind of turn the lights down for you guys to do some business with Jesus. We're going to have some questions for you to just, just, to just consider. This isn't like talk to your friend. This is like you consider these things, Okay. So with that being said, guys, if y'all need anything at all, we love you. We love you so much. We are here for you. We want good and godly things from you. Um, And if you have anything that you wanna talk about or share, like we're here, we'll be in the back. There's a prayer corner with a light on. Anybody with a name tag, we're here to talk to you. We're here for you, okay? So we love you. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna take some time to think. Lord. God, we we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, your kindness. God, we thank you for Jesus ultimately coming to reconcile us. God, we thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes challenging us to take pleasure in our toil, to do good, to love you, and to be present in the season of life that we're in, to not run from the hardships, but to deal with the things and and to trust you um, with what our heart most wants, which is ultimately you, God. I pray that you would save students tonight. God, I pray that you would call believers back to you, and I pray, God, that this time of reflection would be helpful uh, for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.